Welcome to the Pinhead Kidsman Podcast, where you move the pin and get ahead. Our goal is to challenge you to improve your process of kids' ministry and life, one incremental step at a time. We challenge you not only to work in your ministry, but on your ministry. So whether you are a children's pastor or volunteer, if you care about impacting the next generation for Christ, you have come to the right place. I'm reading a book called Upstream by Dan Heath, and he shared a quote in this book, and the quote goes something like this. Your systems are perfectly designed to get the results you are getting. And I found out that that is actually a quote uh, attributed to very many different people, if you Google that quote or very similar things that people have said. But think about that. Your systems are perfectly designed to get the results you are getting. If you are getting results that you aren't happy with, either in your life, your ministry, or wherever it is, whatever um, you're trying to accomplish, whatever goal you're working on, your systems are designed to do that. If you don't like what the results of your system, then we obviously need to tweak them. I started thinking about this because everyone has systems in their life. If you ask somebody, what's your financial system or what's your... Um, system for being physically fit. If you have, you know, if you're in ministry, if you're a volunteer or in kids, kids men, you 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 have systems of talking to other people. Um, you have systems of teaching and systems. Of, there's tons of systems, and maybe we don't think of them as systems as we go throughout our lives. But everyone has a bunch of systems that they deal with in their life uh, on a personal and personal daily basis. And so this first part of this podcast, I was thinking about that quote and how do we tweak our, our processes and our systems to be more effective and get the results that we want to get in our personal lives. And then I'm going to go at the second half of the podcast and make it exclusively for those that are working in the children's ministry, kids' men's space, volunteer, paid staff, whatever the case may be. So what kind of systems do we all have and what kind of things do we maybe should we do? And so my thought was I'll, I'll talk about a few systems and then just an idea of how to tweak those systems to be a little bit more uh, on target or in line with what you'd like to get. So first off, everyone has a financial system they deal with. And the thing is, is that if you're like most people, you don't know where your money is going. And even if you have a budget, do you really track your spending accurately against your budget? So I've made this realization several times in my life, and there's something that I read, actually a book called The Automatic Millionaire by David Bach, good book if you're into financial type books. Uh, he talks about the latte factor, and he has a whole chapter in his book, The Automa Automatic Millionaire, about the latte factor. Basically, if you buy a latte every day, if you add it up how much you're spending per month, that's a lot. You could take that money and invest it or if you stop spending it. So his idea, his premise was everyone spends more money than they think on things they don't really need. And at the time I was working at a private Christian school, my full salary 
everything added up together was right around $22,000 a year. So I disagreed with his uh, take on that. I thought, no way do I have that much money that I have extra. And so he suggested to do something in the book, and I did it. Uh, he said, however you buy things, if you use a credit card, if you use a debit card, checkbook, whatever. We used a debit card, and everything that we bought, my wife and I, went through the debit card, which went through our bank account, which made it real easy. So all I did was print off the transactions I had for the last month, and I simply went and highlighted the things that I, that I did that I didn't t really need the extra stuff. And even though we made a very low salary, I think it was like $38 that month that I thought, man, we probably didn't need to spend that. And that was eye-opening to me because no matter how close you think you watch your finances, uh, you know, how close I we thought we were pinching pennies and we really were, we still were spending some money on things we didn't need. And that motivated me to put take... 40 more dollars a month, even though it's not a whole lot, and put them into our retirement accounts because my thought was I don't have enough money to save. But obviously, if I was spending $38, $40 the last month on things and didn't even know it, then I should just use that money to put into our retirement fund. So I would su suggest that. That's the suggestion I have for you is that if you don't know where your money is going, look at a whole month of expenses and you know, if you're married or uh, sit down with your spouse and, and talk about was this necessary or not. And not in an accusatory way, but like we want to get better at this. We want to tweak. If you're not where you're at, where you want to be financially, this is one good first step to tweaking that system that you have financially to hopefully get it more in line with what you want. Every, so the next one I'm going to talk about is your physical fitness or physically the physical system that you live in. You know, most most people realize that what they eat and how much they move kind of comprise of their physical fitness or their um, physical health, right? There's other factors in there, but those are the two that that are pretty controllable for most people. And so something I've learned uh, over the last couple of months is that exercise is great. Uh, I heard somebody say that if exercise would be a pill, it would be the best drug ever. There's minimal side effects and it gives you so many great, uh, great benefits. So you should exercise every day. You should walk every day. You should bike, play, play catch, play dodgeball with the kids on Sunday at your church, whatever whatever the case is. You should be physically active, but it's not a solution for weight loss. And ultimately, uh, your diet is really more important for how for your weight weight management, weight gain or weight loss and for your overall health. So even though we should exercise every day, something that hit me recently is I was listening to an interview with Seth Godin uh, is a, has a several different good podcasts that you can listen to and he's been interviewed by a lot of people but he says that he has a stop eating list he has a stop to do list and he also has a stop eating list and so that kind of hit me but he had a whole bunch of p things that he wrote and I wrote down a lot of things that I was going to stop eating and I just like he said to do and it didn't it kind of helped me, but it also didn't work because I put like six or seven different things that I thought were not healthy and I wanted to stop eating them and I put too many of them on a list. So I decided to stop, just 
put one thing on the list at a time and just take a week or two and really be committed to stop eating those things. Because most people know uh, what's healthy and what's not. If you say, is it, would it be more healthy to eat two, you know, two scrambled eggs with a little bit of cheese at your house or a Big Mac? Most people would say, yes, the eggs are healthier option. Right, no matter what diet you're on, no matter what you're following, Big Mac's not considered the most healthy thing, and eggs are. You know, some people might think they're not the most healthy things, but they're more healthy than a Big Mac. So everybody knows uh, how to make in cognitively how to make those decisions. So it's helped me uh, to pick one thing that I was going to eliminate. You know, and like I said, over until it was easy for me to eliminate. Then, if you want to eliminate more, you can. One good thing, if you if you would, I would challenge you. Uh, go ahead and eliminate fast food from your diet. I've done that a couple years ago. Very, very minimal fast food for our family. Um, I would say over the last ten years for sure, and um, would not did not regret that. So, <laughs> if you are looking for a place to tweak your diet, but you don't know where to start, if you even if you eat fast food once a week, just say I'm eliminating fast food. See how you feel. Um, also a system we all have is relational systems. You know, what are we doing to grow closer to those that we want to be closer with, you know, and I have a few suggestions, uh, that I think that, you know, would be helpful if you're like, I don't know where to start. There's a lot of great relation books. There's a lot of great relationship coaching and that kind of thing. Um, but just basic common sense something that I've tried to do, I don't do it perfectly, is if you want to be closer to those people that you spend time with, turn off your phone. I actually have a box at my house that I put my keys and headphones and wallet in, and I've been trying to do that. I've been trying to put my phone in the box and not not touch it when I come home. Uh, not Definitely don't have it in my pocket. It's just too easy to pull it out and be on it more than you think you are. And so that's, you know, that's a good thing. Don't replace not having your phone with TV or other devices. Try to limit your devices. My parents had some practical advice. I didn't like it when I was younger, but I think it's very smart. They said, don't turn on the TV until it's dark. You know, and in the winter, you can watch quite a bit of TV. But in the summer, the, the sun doesn't go down till 9 o'clock, maybe, totally. If it's dark, then you can have the TV on. That's, there's nothing special about watching TV in the dark. It's just if, you're watch, if you only watch it in the dark, you're not going to watch it, you know, other times. So because the, cause those kind of devices kill conversation. They kill organic uh, interaction with the people you love, whether it's your kids, your spouse, whoever you're around. Um, one thing also that would be a really good suggestion, you could just pick one of these. I think it would help uh, either turn your phone off or put it in a special place and don't touch it, you know, uh, at night when you get home. Uh, do a 10-minute walk in the morning and afternoon. Like, just clear your head, be outside. That helps me a lot. And then also a third thing, uh, and like I said, pick one of these th to start with. Uh, I've heard this, I've kind of tweaked it, uh, about having an encouragement sandwich. And the way that uh, I heard it originally said was that you're supposed to compliment someone you love, 
tell them something that they could improve, and then compliment them. So like you have two compliments in the sandwich, and the middle part is the kind of constructive, loving criticism. It's supposed to those encouragements are supposed to cushion the blow. But I've turned it around, and this is hard. If you're married or if you're really close to somebody, if you're really wanting to grow and really wanting to know how people uh, think about you, um, you could do this. You can encourage that person. You could ask them, what is something I can do better, I could do to love you better, and then encourage them again. So you're encouraging them, and they're being able to tell you something you can work on. Um, those are things that I think that could help tweak our processes in our personal life. And so now we're going to go into how do we think about this in kids' ministry. The title of this segment is Tale of Two Visits. Several months ago at church, I had two different families at two different service times uh, come and uh, visit. The first family, uh, they it was very noticeable. They came in, and they had three children, and... They, for one thing, my boss, the executive pastor of the church I serve at, was with them. And so um, it's always kind of like a red flag when your boss comes up into your ministry area. Uh, not that he's, that it's bad or anything like that, but it kind of, you know, you see your boss walking around. You kind of think, oh, is there an issue or whatever? But he had this new family, and he had met them at the door, and he was, they had kids that were going to come in the upstairs part of our children's area. And so he, introduced them to me. I introduced myself to them, uh, talked them through the class processes, what, who the teachers were. Uh, they had uh, three different kids in three different uh, ministry classrooms, kids' classrooms. So I showed the classroom that they, that they met me in was the third through fifth grade, and I showed their third grader you know, where their small group table would be, where their small group leader is, the kind of things they could do for fun for the hangout time, and the, and talked them through the schedule. And then I did that, walked them down the hall to the next classroom and helped them drop their older kid at the, at the sixth grade room. And then we walked all the way downstairs to the preschool area where their preschooler would be. You know, another thing that was cool about that day was that Sometimes I do music for the preschoolers. I'm on the schedule. So I got to come back to their youngest kid's class, got to see how she was doing. She seemed very engaged in the class. And uh, I got to play guitar for her. But she was, you know, sometimes uh, in, in ministry, you kind of wonder how uh, things you do are perceived. But she was like into the songs. We were singing Big, Big House. And she was doing the actions. You know, I do a funny song called Honey Bear. And, um, you know, she thought that was funny. I mean, we were just clicking. It was so awesome, right? And sometimes that happens. I mean, they walk in the door. The ex executive pastor finds them. They, they, you see the every, all the right people. The classrooms are just staffed just perfectly. They have a really good uh, experience. And then they came back, and they came back, and now they're in Bible studies, and are... I would say, almost fully assimilated in our church uh, family. And 
that it all started, I believe, that first visit was just such a great visit. They didn't have any issues with the kid check machines. They saw, uh, you know, you know, everything went well. And so that was like a huge win. I was so pumped up after that day. Anytime you have a family come and have a good experience and, you know, it's a, it's for me, that's just, it was a home run. Well, that night at church, we had a meeting. And so uh, we, we got done with the meeting and through the grapevine from another staff member, I heard, oh, did you see that, that uh, review or reply on Facebook about the kids' ministry. And me being the kids' pastor, I was a little shocked that no one had mentioned it, but said, no, no, I didn't see that at all. And they're like, oh, well, somebody put, you know, a review. You should talk to our communications director about this. And, like, my stomach dropped. I, I do not like it when people... I do not like criticism, even if it's constructive criticism. It's hard for me to hear it sometimes, and I try to do as good as I know how to at all the things I do, and I take it very, very uh, seriously. So when I heard that there was a problem, I w- I really uh, was a little worried and wanted to fix it. And sure enough, I got to read the Facebook review, and they said we brought a family to church, and. It was a horrible experience for the family. No one greeted them, and they didn't feel welcomed, and they uh, had a bad experience in the kids in kids ministry or the children's ministry area. And the crazy thing is, is that this was the same day, the same Sunday that we had that first visit that I said with a family that would just so amazingly they, you know. Everything was just clicking. And I was like, wow, this is so crazy. So I'm like, maybe this is a misunderstanding. You know, maybe this is, maybe who knows, maybe they got a different church, you know. But um, I looked up the person on, that had made the review on Facebook, and I messaged them, and I asked for their friend's phone number because I just wanted to make sure that they knew that we would want to welcome them if they wanted to come back. And, just, and I honestly just wanted to kind of see what, what had happened. And, um, I called, uh, she, she messaged me back. She gave me her number. I talked with her. Sure enough. She said, yeah, it was, they, they had a really bad experience. And she said, the quote was, and I really wanted them to have a good experience. And it was so disappointing that they didn't have a good experience. And I thought, oh man. And I asked for their, the actual family's number and she gave it to me and I ended up having a conversation with them. And I, I was like kind of skeptical at first. Cause I'm like, I know that we have systems and processes in place to greet people, to help them with the kid kid check-in computers and the name tags. I know that we have volunteers at all the classrooms, and we have systems and processes for everything there. And so, and also, I was kind of still confused and halfway riding high because we had this one family, and I knew that visit went so well, and they said they'd be back, and they were smiling when they left and excited the whole time, and so I was like, wow, how could this be? You know, one visit is so, you know, it's the best of visits and the worst of visits in the same day. How could one visit, visiting family, have such a great experience, and how could another have a bad experience? So when I talked with them, they said, yeah, no one, no one greeted us, and we went upstairs, and 
we tried to figure out which classroom they were going to be in, and there was adults in the classroom talking, but there was a there was a young guy that was playing football with a kid, and he actually almost hit our daughter with the football, but didn't seem to notice that she was there, and so we just kind of left and just you know, left the kids there and they got, you know, and, and that was kind of how the visit went. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. And I was like, this is, this sounds so odd, you know, almost to me, unbelievable. So I said to them, well, here's how our, okay, here's how the process is supposed to work. You know, this is how we design it. Uh, when you walk in the doors, there's greeters for the church. They should say, hey, how are you doing? Hopefully they'll say, hey, you got some kids. Have you been here before? Do you know where to use the kids check, kid check room is? Do you know, do you need us to direct you where to get name tags or whatever? And they're supposed to have a welcome center that if they have questions, they can direct them to the welcome center. They can answer questions about all the kids' ministry classrooms and where they're located. Also, we have a check-in area with computers, and we have kid check staff. So you're supposed to be greeted, hopefully like I just did. Hopefully if you have kids, they're asking if you need help. But even if they didn't, if you make it just past the doors to the right, there's computers, and there should be somebody there that welcomes you and says, hey, do you need any help with your stickers and that kind of thing? And once you get the stickers, they have radio, so they can either radio somebody or take you up to the classroom yourself so that you can know where the classrooms are at. And when you get into the classrooms, we have volunteers that are scheduled, and some of them know that part of their job is to greet people and make, you know, warm greeting and let kids know what's going on in the classroom and everything like that. And she's like, yeah, nothing like that happened. We walked in. There might have been someone holding a door for us. They didn't say anything. We went into the area with the computers. We just thought there was no one there. We must not need one. We went upstairs. Well, then we realized all the kids had name tags. So we went back downstairs, still no one there. And so we figured out how to punch, make a, get a name tag to spit out of the printer. And we went back upstairs, and that was when that guy was up there playing football. And, you know, adults were there, but they didn't seem very excited. They didn't come up and talk to us. And at that moment, my heart sank for a few reasons. First off, it was sad because that's not, if, the, if all those things happened, then none of the things that we had set in place to greet people, to help them check in, to make them feel welcomed, none of them worked, at least for this family. And the second thing is is that as she continued to talk about um, the, the, the young guy upstairs playing football with a kid, it, something came rushing back to me. Because, see, that day, the lead teacher in the classroom that this daughter would have been coming into uh, couldn't make it to to teach, and so I was the fill in, and so, and it just came screaming back to me that I had a couple of the small group leaders. I was talking to them, reviewing what we're going to do for the day because it was kind of last minute because things were out of a routine, and then it hit me. There was one kid that wanted to throw the football around, and I was like throwing the football around when I was briefing the teachers, had to kind of dovetailing, doing both two things at once, multitasking. And I'm like, oh, and I had to say, which is really embarrassing, 
I think I was the guy playing football that how they perceived it is I almost hit their daughter with a football. And I thought, oh my goodness. And I had to, I said that and I, you know, I was sincere and I said, I, you know, was trying, you know, I absolutely would not try to hit a kid with a football and I would not ignore a child. I didn't even see anyone there, you know, as I was throwing the football and talking to small group leaders and getting the people ready to do the worship stuff um, that we're going to have happen in the class. And it just made me realize that sometimes balls get dropped, right? But remember that quote that I said at the beginning, your systems are perfectly designed to get the results you're getting. So somehow, if we believe that quote, and I think it has great wisdom in it, somehow that first family that came had such a great experience and was greeted so well and has been part of our church for, you know, month and a half, two months at this point now. Our systems were perfectly designed to give them that experience. But also, our systems, the same systems, were designed to give a bad, to be inconsistent, to give a bad experience to a family. And, you know, the thing is, is that there's many different issues that can happen in kids' ministry. I mean, you know, like I said, people cannot be greeted and not feel uh, you know, welcomed, you know, volunteers can forget to, at the end of a class, forget to check diapers, and then parents are upset their diapers, kids' diapers weren't changed. Uh, you can have staff, volunteer staff that last minute can't show up, have car problems, whatever. You can have understaffed rooms. You can have a whole bunch, if you've been in kids' ministry, you can understand things happen, right? You can have behavior issues with a child, you know, that throws the whole class off. There's a lot of things. And in ministry, balls do get dropped. So my thought is, what do we do when we have those experiences? Okay, And I have two, <laughs> two kind of answers to what happens when balls get dropped. The first answer is in the immediate and the urgent. And then the second answer is kind of long-term and analysis and adapting your systems so that those things won't happen again. So when this happened, this specific instance happened with this bad visit with the, with the family, um, the first thing that I like to do, and it can be any issue because I get just stressed out, you know, most of the time that uh, when some of these issues happen like that, it just really throws me off, right? So the first thing that I have to do, if there's an issue, if somebody has a complaint, if something didn't go well, I have to take a deep breath and really sincerely heartfelt just say, it could be out loud or it could be quietly, just pray and ask God for his wisdom and guidance and his comfort, you know? Um, sometimes that I can, uh, sometimes I can make it about me you know, uh, it's like, man, I failed. I didn't do this right. I, and sometimes that is true. There's things that I could do better, but I take it so personally. Sometimes I can't, can't function through and may and help resolve the process. So I take a deep breath and pray. That's the first thing. The second thing is do your due, due diligence. In this specific instance, I, I had a Facebook <laughs> someone put a comment on Facebook. That's all I had to go with. I didn't know who the people were. I didn't know who the person that posted it, but I had to find out. 
and Facebook's great for this, by the way. Uh, I was able to get the person's name that posted the, the comment, private message them. They responded, so that was good, and I got the phone number and got the phone number for the family and actually had a conversation. It was about a 45-minute conversation, and it actually ended up pretty well. By the end of the conversation, the mom said, yeah, I think that I kind of understand what had happened. It was kind of a chaotic day. Uh, thank you so much for calling. I, you know, I think we're going to give your church another try. I think that uh, because you've called and because you're willing to to talk us through some of these things, we're going to try to come back again and visit, which was great to hear. Not always does it work that way, but you know, um, you got to do your due diligence. If I would have just given up because I didn't know the people, or if I wouldn't have been willing to call people, two or three different people to get numbers and information at some some situations you have to call a lot of people to get information to know what happened and hear different sides of the story that so do your due diligence make multiple calls if you still don't know what to do um ask somebody that you trust if it might be your boss or it might be just somebody else in ministry or someone a mentor or something like that ask them Ask them about the situation. Get their input. People that you trust that are godly that you know will will tell you what they will tell you the real things that you need to hear, uh, and also give you good advice. And also, it's a good thing in this when you're doing your due diligence. Look for blind spots in your in your leadership. Make sure that you're not getting frustrated or dismissing an issue just because. I don't want to deal with that. Or, no, that really couldn't be. Or you might have rose-colored glasses on about your ministry. So I have to look for my blind spots and take, you know. And then the third thing, after you kind of pause, take a deep breath, prayed, did in your due diligence, evaluated your blind spots, the third thing is take action. You know, and that's usually a phone call, maybe a house visit, an email, all those things, though, um, can be uncomfortable. And sometimes we can take a deep breath and pray, and we can do our due diligence, and then that final step, taking action, we can get stuck in inaction. And if we do all the first two things, and we feel better about ourselves because we prayed about it, and we talk to some people that we know and trust and are volunteers about it, but don't go ahead and go the next step and make the uncomfortable call and call that family that had a bad visit, or call that person that wrote you an angry email or whatever it might be. You can do everything before that. If you don't aren't willing to take that step and take action, it, it will all be for nothing. Uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the immediate, like I said, these three steps are for the immediate. In the immediate time, um, make it as good as you can. You apologize without making excuses. You know, with this family, I did explain the situation. I explained that the teacher was gone, that I was filling in, you know. But I didn't say, oh, I was filling in, so that's why it happened. No big deal. I mean, I really, I, it was still a big deal to me. I tried to give them some reasons and t to paint a picture of what was happening and why maybe they didn't feel very uh, welcomed. But I didn't just say, yeah, we don't have enough people, so we're, we can't do that. You know, we ha you can apologize, uh, you know, for the things that you can apologize for and not make excuses. And then, after that, there are some steps that I think are important that are deeper 
to really uh, investigate and see what changes you should make in your systems and your kids' ministry. Um, remember, I've said this, maybe this is the third time, but your systems are perfectly designed to get the results you are getting. If you are getting results you aren't happy with, your systems are designed to do that as well, right? So the first thing is review your systems. Are your problems intermittent like this visit? We had a good visit and a bad visit on the same day. Where you know, Figure out where did the things break down. Try to remedy or try to think of different ways that you can tweak those things so they won't break down anymore. You can have conversations and have training in the area that the balls were dropped. So even if you don't have time to do a whole training before the next week about greeting people, you can send out a podcast about how important it is to greet people. Or you can, you know, do a quick video on your phone and send it out to your volunteers. Say, hey, you know, this happened. A family didn't feel very welcomed. Uh, what can we do to do a little bit better? You know, that kind of thing. You have conversations. So talk to people that are in your ministry, that are that you're on your teammates, that are on your team. Because you can't do all everything. Um, but you are the leader. Um and you can admit, the third thing I think is important is you can admit that there, there are outliers. Things are going to happen. Sometimes just everything that can go wrong will go wrong, right? But just because there's a, one situation, you can dismiss it like, oh, that was just, that only happened one time. Maybe it did, will only happen one time. But keep an open mind that there could be something you're not seeing in your processes, in your systems that caused that, and it could be a, a, something that needs to be remedied, you know? Because if, if balls drop, because ball, uh, balls drop because no one's there to catch them, right? So if we dropped a ball uh, on teaching or dropped a ball on small group activities or whatever the, the case may be, you know, they drop because no one's there to catch them. So Think about what type of people, what type of systems you need to catch those balls for the next time. Um, then the fourth thing after you do that is make reasonable and calculated tweaks or pivots, not total overhauls. So I can be pretty emotional. So when I have an issue, if it's just discipline issue in a classroom, or if a volunteer is not happy, or if a family's upset, I can like totally go into an emotional thought emotional uh place where i'm like oh we need to change everything this is horrible nothing's working and really usually that's not true usually a lot of things are working one thing didn't happen quite right and with tweaks and changes and small bits of coaching you can help uh help make it a lot better you don't usually have to overhaul everything every time Okay, and then the fifth thing I said is uh, that I wrote was admit defeat. And I don't mean like, oh, just toss in the towel and I, I don't even care anymore. No, that's not what I mean at all. It's, but it's for me, it's looking in the mirror and figuring out what part you can play for improvements. Right? You can, you can always, and I, this is, this is coaching for me as much as anybody else. I need to connect more. I need to spend more time with volunteers. I need to spend more time with the check-in people. And I need to spend more time with the small group leaders. I need to spend more time with the preschool team. And yes, that does stretch you thin. But there are some ways to do that without even calling a meeting, 
right? You can call, you can text, you can, I already mentioned this, but you can send podcasts to, you know, I love podcasts. They're first off, they're free. Second, I think there's a lot of amazing information that you can glean from them. Send out a video, uh, you know, make a video yourself or send one out that can, can help direct your teams and make improvements without taking the time because there's no way that you can take time if you have a big team to spend individual time with every single person on your team every week. But you can give them resources. You can communicate with them. Um, that is uh, something when I look in the mirror, I, I can do. There's uh, so many different ways we can do that better. Um, you can make sure that dependable volunteers are in position to greet families. When I mean dependable volunteers, I'm not slamming volunteers. Volunteers are awesome. We have to have volunteers or our kids' ministry would never would cease to exist in most churches and most ministries. But I mean, maybe don't put the person that has four kids of their own getting them into kids' ministry before they're coming to serve as the primary person that's supposed to be posted at the door to make people feel welcomed. Maybe find some people that can that are only going to greet people. Maybe they don't want to. Maybe there's they don't feel like it's their gift or that they're um, not wanting to be in the classroom. But maybe they can just come for the first, you know, fifteen minutes before class and stay for the first ten minutes of class just to greet people and make sure the class is going well. You know, there's lots of different things that we can do to get dependable people. And I dependable again, I mean, people that are able to be there on time because. You can have as many greeters as you want, but if they're scrambling to get there and they come five minutes late, people that need to be greeted mostly come early, and so th- you're going to miss out on those opportunities. Um, something I took away is that if I'm filling in for a teacher, no matter what, still get a sub. Even if I'm doing the lesson, even if I'm running the classroom, if I'm the lead teacher, I still need to get a sub and s- ask that person, hey, in this class or this time, I dip, typically walk in the hallway and I greet people and I look for people I don't know. Could you do that for me because I'm teaching this class today? That's something that I learned about this from this, this specific situation that um, that I think is good to do. And also, this made me realize that I need to be, I, I feel like I'm a people person, but I um, need to be hyper diligent about uh, about people that I don't know at our church. I, I just need to be super aware. If there's a it's a family that kind of looks lost, it's much better to say, hey, could I help you find something or do you need any help? And they may say, no, I've been here 10 times and I know exactly where I'm going. I wouldn't respond back, say, oh, well, you looked lost. I would just say, oh, okay, so I just wanted to see if you needed any help. Thanks for coming, you know, something like that. But it, I would, I coming to realize that it's better to ask 10 people that don't need help than to miss out on the one that does and doesn't get asked. So hopefully this is helpful. Remember, keep looking at your systems and kids' ministry. Keep tweaking them. Uh, Keep uh, pointing people to Christ. And uh, thank you so much for working in kids' ministry. We'll talk to you later.